Well, good morning. I'm glad that you're here at New Covenant Community Church. It's an honor to be before you. And I'm overwhelmed with the goodness of God. And um, I thought about trying to make a grand entrance of coming through that door right there because it's, it's just my size. <laughs> most, most, most things aren't. There are several that wanted me to be in costume this morning. And I was informed that the costume weighs uh, about 20 some pounds and they didn't think I was strong enough to carry it and wear it. Uh, the burn, yes. Um, no, it is, it is an honor uh, to be here. I'm glad that you've chosen this day to work. We have some special guests here this morning too. Thank you for attending. It's an honor to see you and uh, have you worship with us here at New Covenant Community Church. Would you pray with me? Father, this is your time to shine. This is your time to be exalted and lifted up as we examine your word, your infallible word, your perfect word. Father, it is without error in any way, shape, or form, and it is absolutely true. Father, it's hard to comprehend that you've allowed me to proclaim your word to these people. May it be true. May it be honest. May it be heartfelt, and may it be completely inspired by the Holy Spirit. Father, as we examine this passage of Scripture about deliverance, I pray that your Holy Spirit has free reign in this place to move amongst your people. Father, that the hearts that need to be changed, that you would have the ability to do so, Father, and we ask you to do that. We ask you to change hearts even now. Father, I ask you to change my heart through this. As we come before you and we see the ultimate judgment, that you can pour out in the ultimate judgment that will be coming. Father, that we would be prepared to be in the presence of you. Father, we sang about you. We sang about the whole world in your hands. It's still in your hands, Father, as this day is in your hands. May we be found faithful because you are faithful, Father. May you be exalted in this place. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, deliverance. I don't know where you are in your life, and I'm not even going to pretend to know. I know some of you personally, and I know that there are heartaches, and there are times in our life that we need a true deliverance from God. But I do know one thing about God. He's timeless, and he's always perfect in his time. He is always perfect in his time. No matter what he has done throughout which we have logged for us in the Bible, it has always been with his perfect time. But I'm here to tell you this morning that everything he's doing in and through you is in his perfect time. Scripture has been fulfilled. It is finished. But our life is still going on, and we have the guidebook to follow, and he is working specifically in and around your life in perfect time. And I don't know if it means for deliverance today, what that deliverance may mean. Some of you have an authentic, born-again relationship with Jesus Christ. 
your deliverance looks different than the lost person. And we're going to look at some of that today because the lost people, they were, they met their deliverance. They met their defeat. They met what God was doing. We looked, uh, we've been in the book of Genesis. We're going to be in the eighth chapter of Genesis this morning. If you want to turn in your Bible, I hope you brought your Bible with you. It's the first book of the Bible, and we're going to be in that eighth chapter. We've looked at the creation, how God spoke everything into being within six days, and on the seventh day he rested. We looked at the fall of man, sin, how it creeped in, and how it separated us from God. We looked at... um, we looked at Noah, and that's what, who we're going to continue to look at, at Noah and his family as we progress through. And um, I'm going to multitask here and see if I can do this. Maybe, maybe not. Hey, there it is. God's timing is always perfect. That's going to be point one for us. And as we look at Genesis chapter 8, I want us to... Look, as we examine the first four verses here this morning. Then God remembered Noah and every living thing and all the animals that were with him in the ark. And God had made a wind to pass over the earth and the water subsided. We're going to stop right there. God didn't forget Noah. In chapter 7 and verse 1, he said, The Lord said, Come into the ark. Come into him. Come into where the presence of God is. He was in the ark. He wanted Noah and his family and all the animals to come in because that's where it was going to be safety. That's where the deliverance was going to take place. He wanted them to come in. So in chapter 8, it's not a contradictory here in scripture where he's saying then God remembered. That word is pronounced hebrism. And it means to begin again. It means that God is remembering his covenant with Noah and what he is doing. We sang about the whole world in his hands. God had instructed Noah to build this massive ark. It's interesting if you look at the time frame, Noah was 500 years old when he was given the task. He is now 600 years old when he is in the ark. Noah didn't start having children until he was 500 years old. There's hope. Honey, we can, we can still, yeah, three, three, three's enough, three's enough, yes, uh, yes, <laughs> but think about that, 500 years old, he had three sons, scripture tells us that they're well in their 90s at this point, see, God's timing is always perfect in Noah's life, Noah needed help to build the ark, because what, the world didn't believe him. The scripture is telling us in previous chapter, and I believe it's chapter 6, he says 120 years that he was going to bring the flood. Well, in that 120-year time, Noah became in his 500 years, and then he started having sons in his 500 years. Within that 500 years, those three sons had to grow up to help build that ark because the people didn't believe what Noah was telling them, that God's going to destroy the entire earth with flood. You've got to remember the earth was covered with a canopy. It was very, uh, uh, an unbelievable controlled climate. It wasn't the type of atmosphere in what we see today. It had not rained at this point. The people didn't understand what Noah's right. They thought he was a fool. He was a fool. So it probably took him a good 75 years, up to 75 years to actually build the ark. 
And then we find in chapter 8 that God hadn't forgot him after he told him to come in, come into his presence. So they, they have been in the ark. We can only imagine. Have you been to the ark? Have you been to see the one in Kentucky that has been built? It is a fascinating thing. They took some liberties and they were very creative in their thoughts. And it makes you wonder if some of those things weren't the way they were within inside the ark. It was very fascinating to see it. But think about their time within the ark. God's timing is always perfect. The fountains of the deep, verse 2. And the windows of heaven were also stopped, and the rain from heaven was restrained, and the waters receded continually from the earth, and at the end of a hundred and fifty days, the waters decreased. Then the ark rested in the seventh month, the seventeenth day on the, of that month on the mountains of Ararat. We are given the specifics inside the ark. We're given the ultimate detail of what God wants us to know. They give us the exact time that the ark came to rest. Five months they've been in the ark. Five months. It is telling us, last week, Pastor told us about how the grounds and the flood all came about and all those things. I want you to envision, if you can, the eruptions. The scholars actually think there was more water under the earth than ever on the earth. And for the earth to flood in 40 days of rain, which it had never rained before, there had to be utter chaos taking place. I can't even imagine when God said, come in. I don't know what you're dealing with right now, but I know what he does. He's telling you to come in, come into his presence, where you can find rest and you can find peace. That never changes. That never changes. They're in the ark. And everything is got to be horrendous. The ground is shifting. The waters are, are, are coming. There's volcano eruptions, and the water is erupting. And I imagine it's just so powerful because God is powerful. And then the rains fall. New territory. They've never been there before chances that you're in a place that you've never been before. But God knows where you're at. God knows where they are. He knows he's given them specific instructions what to do, what to bring in the ark. There's no question about that. He has their provision. He has their protection is taken care of. Have you ever worried about your protection? Have you ever thought about the protection that God has around you? So many times in prayer, we pray for the protection. I, I, I work with the college kids a lot. I pray for their protection because I know God can give it. And if there's ever a world or if there's ever a time that our young people need protection, it's now. Families, we gotta be stronger in our walk that we can uplift to, uh, to God our cares and concerns for our young people, that we can raise them up and that they can be strong in the Lord, and that they will know the ways of the Lord, and they'll know the truth of the Lord. See, God reached down to Noah, his three sons and their wives, eight people. 1,656 years has taken place, and God destroyed the earth in that amount of time. Everything, all the inhabitants, 
in God's perfect time, in God's perfect time, the ark came to rest, and he gives us the exact date. And the ark rested in the seventh month, the 17th day of the month, on the mountains of Ararat. Now, just as God's timing is perfect for Noah, he's always perfect in Christ. Galatians 4.4 4 says, But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman. See, he never stopped working. The fullness of time. What does that mean? In the appropriate time, in God's perfect timetable, he brought forth the son, born of a virgin, to be the ultimate sacrifice, the ultimate deliverer for us. Because we need deliverance. We need a way to get back to God. God made a plan, and he had a plan to salvage the world, and he chose to do it through eight people. Look around you. This place is full. I have news for you. We're all related. We're all descendants of, that, of Noah. We're all descendants that came off of that ark. Every single one of us were related. But then... If you're bought with the blood of Christ, believe in Jesus Christ and bought with his blood, the ultimate blood, we're brothers in Christ's fraternity, for eternity. The fullness of time, point two, the storms of life. I don't know where you are in your life, but can you imagine for just a couple minutes what what the five months on the ark would have been like. The sounds that they must have heard. The eruptions that took place. They're now drifting in water on top of it. With all the animals in there. They're busy. They have a lot of work to care for those animals, to feed those animals. But can you imagine what they must be thinking? The only way I can relate it to help make this applicable to you is from my own personal experience. There's some here that went through this with us down there in Florida. We went through Hurricane Charlie in 2004. We took a direct hit. The new newscasters and everybody was telling us it was going north, it was going north, it was going to go to Tampa, it was going to go to Tampa. No, got sucked right into our harbor. We didn't have time to leave. Joshua was just a toddler at the time. We had LaVon, my wife and I. We barricaded ourselves in the house. We had storm awnings that we shut. We uh, put a couch at the end of our hallway. We shut our bedroom's doors except for the bathroom. We put pillows in that tub. And... Um, Josh couldn't, because he was so active, we, could, we couldn't allow him in the living room. The living room had a sliding glass door to our lanai that had vinyl windows, and there was no way of sealing that off, so we put a couch in front of our sliding glass door. And then the storms came. I think after we saw that it wobbled towards Sanibel, and then it came back out into the gulf, we knew. We, Melody and I really didn't even say anything. We just went into preparation mode. A few minutes later, we lost electric. We were out electric, I think, 15 days. August. It was August 13th. The storms came. We gathered in the time of prayer. 
I asked for God's protection. I asked him to protect my family. I wasn't worried about me. I just didn't want my family to be hurt. I prayed for my mother-in-law's home, who was four doors down, just right around the corner, that it would be spared and okay. And then my parents' home. My parents lived right around the corner, but they were snowbirds. They were up here at the time since it was summertime, and their home had no protection. They had a 50-foot room on the back with 10 windows, no uh, hurricane shutters, no wood put up, nothing. And I prayed for protection. couple hours went by of intense storms. Our roof was breathing, doing this. The sounds were horrendous of stuff hitting the house. Our interior doors were rattling the entire time. The pressure got so intense that the water was sucked out of our commode. And the eye of the storm came. I walked outside and I called my dad. And uh, I said, the front, front part's over. And it was hazy, very freakish. And we had a massive grapefruit tree in our backyard, and it was laying in the canal. And I saw some of the devastation. And then all of a sudden, the circulation started to turn, and it was time to get back in the house. Went back in the house. And again, we, we were comfortable in our little area, and... We rode it out for another couple hours. And then I remember walking outside afterwards. Where are you in your life? What are you dealing with? Can you imagine what they were dealing with in the ark, the sounds, what fears they may have, what thoughts they may have, but they had the assurance that God invited them in the ark and told them to come in the ark. I can honestly tell you folks, yes, it's emotional thinking back because we saw the devastation of our area. We saw the homes destroyed. There's vacant lots still there. <laughs> but I don't think I was actually ever scared because I felt the presence of God. I have a feeling. I have nothing to base it on because scripture doesn't give it to us. But I have a feeling during the storms of life, the storm that Noah and his family were facing, I have a sense of feeling that they, they weren't afraid. There would have been some unknowns. I don't know how else to explain it to you. I honestly was not afraid. I felt protected. I have to believe that that's what they were feeling. But we pick up in the story in verse 5, and it says, And those waters decreased continually until the tenth month. In the tenth month, on the first day of the month, the tops of the mountains were seen. So it came to pass at the end of 40 days that Noah opened a window of the ark which he had made. Then he sent out a raven, which kept going to and fro from the waters that dried up from the earth. He also sent out for himself a dove to see if the waters had receded from the face of the ground. Now let's look at the raven here a minute. We know that there's seven sets of birds on the ark. We're told that in the seventh chapter of Genesis. There's two of every kind of animal, but on birds that fly in the air, there's seven, seven of each brought in. So he sends out a raven first. They know that the ark has stopped. 
It's rested. The second time in scripture that the word rest is used. The first one is God in the creation. On the seventh day, he rested. But the ark, it's a different word that's used there. A little bit different meaning when it came to rest. It had been laboring. It had been laboring big time for five months. You can only imagine what the seas must have been like. And, 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 and that to be going across there all those days until it came to rest. He sent out a raven out of the window that he'd made. And it flew back and forth and back and forth. It doesn't ever say it came back to the ark. Scholars don't know what to truly believe if it came back. It's kind of immaterial. But the thing about the raven and the knowledge that Noah must have had and how smart of a man he was, he knew it was a scavenger bird. He knew it could land on anything. It could lay and land on any of the rotting flesh or decay or any of that. The storms of life. Are you searching for answers? Noah's searching for answers. He's in the midst of the biggest storm this world has ever known. And he's looking for answers. He sends out a dove. The dove flies, but the dove comes back. Scripture tells us here in verse 8. He also sent for himself a dove to see if the waters had receded from the face of the ground. But the dove found no resting place for the sole of her foot, so she returned into the ark to him. For the waters were on the face of the whole earth. So he put his, out his hand and he took her and drew her into the ark for himself. A dove is more docile. A dove can be more tamed. A raven is a scavenger bird. It does what it does. The dove went out, found no place to land, and he put out his hand and received the dove and brought the dove back in. The scripture continues, verse 10, And he waited yet another seven days, and again he sent a dove out from the ark. When the dove came to him in the evening, and behold, a freshly plucked olive leaf was in her mouth, and no one knew that the waters had receded from the earth. So seven days goes by, patient. Are you patient in the storms of life? <laughs> I'm not. I'm not going to stand here and pretend that I am. I wish I was. He's searching for answers. He's searching for what is coming at the end. Don't we do that? We want a quick fix. We want the answers right away. We want to understand what the situation is. Isn't that the way we operate? Got to remember, though, whose timetable are we on? God's timetable is perfect. It's always perfect. Verse 12. So he waited yet another seven days and sent out the dove, which did not return again to him anymore. The dove had come back brought him an olive branch, an olive leaf. Noah was a smart man. He knew that the dove had found something to show life, that the waters were receding, that it might be getting close, that they could end their journey, their storms of life. 
what they were being brought through. Interesting fact about the olive tree, it's one of the strongest trees known, and they, they are a very hardy, hardy, hardy tree because of the amount of oil that is growing within them. God's design is always perfect. Olive trees could withstand unbelievable amounts of pressure, wind, turbulence, all kinds of things. God's word is very detailed right to the leaf of an olive branch. And his timing is always perfect. The dove brought it to him. And then he didn't return again after seven more days. And then verse 13. And it came to pass in the 600 and first year, in the first month, the first day of the month, that the waters were dried up from the earth, and Noah removed the covering of the ark and looked, and indeed the surface of the ground was dry. Now, apparently there was some kind of covering that he had built on the top of ark, and how that worked, I don't know. I'd like to know. I'd like to know what he had. There's a lot of details I'd like to know about the ark. And when we get to heaven, I hope to have that discussion because I'm, I'm very curious about some things. Melody and I were talking there, I don't know if it was last night or the other night, we were talking that God may have caused some of the animals to sleep, to, to rest the entire time that they're on the ark. That would have been pleasant for the eight people trying to care for them all. But when you go to the ark in Kentucky and see of the design and, and the way the water was stored and the way the food was stored and the way they could get rid of waste and, and the living quarter, it's fascinating to me. We don't know. Scripture doesn't give us all those details. It's fun to think about. The waters had receded and Noah removed a covering of the ark and he looked and the ground was dry. And in the second month, on the 27th day of the month, the earth was dried. So we're now to, uh, to verse 14 in chapter 8. Five months of being on the ark, over water. Now seven more months has gone by, over a year. A year and a few days, a year and like six days total. Are you patient through the storms of life? Do you understand the, the importance of God's timing in your life and why God might be doing something? I find it fascinating today is the 25th. Two years ago, at this exact time, we were preparing for my mother's 86th birthday out on our property, but we ended up and had it right here, right in this place. And in the meantime, a couple weeks before that, about a month or so before that, maybe even a little further, pastor had asked me to speak here at the church. And I told him no three different times. I thought he was crazy. I was a teacher, I'm not a preacher. God's timing is always perfect. That was two years ago. Storms of life. A year ago, my life was drastically different. It's been one year today since I lost my mom. We went through a rough season. 
the storms of life. I know where she is. I know where her deliverance is. But a year has passed. And I think about how fast that year's been in some ways and how long it's been in some ways and how different my life was a year ago because at this time I was holding her hand, waiting for the moment that she would pass and be into the presence of the Almighty God knowing that that was her journey. Yeah, it's sad for me and those that loved her because we don't want to be without. We're not designed to be without our parents. One year ago, they were on the ark for one year and six days. And there becomes a time of worship. Folks, it's time to worship. It doesn't get any better than now. We have so much to worship. We have a heavenly father that is unbelievable. That he, he is our all in all. He has the whole world in his hands. He's got the little babies in his hands. He's got the birds in the air in his hands. He's got it all in his hands. Have you thought about it? Noah was getting ready to worship. Because you know what happens in verse 15? Then God spoke to Noah saying, go out of the ark, you and your wife and your sons and your sons' wives with you. God is not silent. He didn't forget them. He started anew. He gave them an entrance into the ark. You come into me. He says, now you go. We have the same thing in Christ our deliverer. Christ says in the New Testament, come to me, all of you who are weary and heavy laden. And what's he do? I'll give you rest. What did God do with the ark? He rested it because it had labored. What was the ark? Their deliverance. Their protection. What is Christ? Your deliverer. And then what's he say in the New Testament? Go and preach the gospel. To what? All nations, the world. He's got the whole world in his hands, folks. He destroyed it, yes, by flood. But he had a deliverer and a deliverance in the ark. Eight people. We have a deliverance in Jesus Christ. And it's time to worship him. What's the scripture say Noah did? God spoke, told him to come out of the ark. Bring out with you every living thing, all the flesh that is with you, birds and cattle and every creeping thing that creeps on the earth so that they may abound on the earth and be fruitful and multiply on the earth. So Noah went out and his sons and his wife and his sons and his wives with him. Every animal, every creeping thing, every bird, and whatever creeps on the earth, according to their families, went out of the ark. They're all exiting the ark because God told them to. 
when you think of the time frame of a year and six days, and you think back to the time frame of Noah being on the ark and then sending out the dove and the raven and then waiting another seven days and then waiting another 26 days after another point in time, the patience. But you know what he was waiting on? Obedience. Noah was obedient. He didn't do a thing until God told him to. He didn't build the ark until God told him to. He didn't go into the ark until God told him to. And he sure didn't leave the ark until God told him to. God's timing is always perfect. It's always perfect. And now it's a time to worship. They sent out. But I want another picture here. Because if you're like me, my imagination goes crazy sometimes. The world looked different. How do I know that? The only way I can know it is because after Charlie, I walked outside. My world was different. The roof across the street had come off and went through our lanai and sucked out all of our vinyl windows and everything we had from outside was stored in that room and everything flip-flopped and it blew in our sliding glass door a little bit and moved the couch somewhat, the pressure. The uh, grapefruit tree that was laying in the canal was now in the backyard because the circulation of the storm had stopped. Everything that I envisioned during the eye of the storm was now completely opposite. I had no idea of the devastation. Power lines down, trees, nothing looked the same. Nothing. Ten doors to walk to my parents. It was the longest walk I'd ever walked. Avoiding the power line, seeing the houses completely destroyed. Some of them, all the wind is gone, the roof's gone completely. But what you saw was people out helping one another immediately. Making sure everybody was okay, even if they didn't know their neighbors around them. I turned the corner. The house on the corner was completely gone. The concrete pillars were completely gone. They were in my parents' backyard. As a matter of fact, my parents had a new shed, a 10 by 20 Ted shed, had 12 hurricane straps on it. It was in Mr. Jack Barr. Jack Barr's sitting back there. He was my dad's neighbor. That shed was in his backyard. The roof from the house on this side of my parents came off and was in his pool cage as it was collapsed. The roofs were off everywhere. I get to my parents' house. Had a torn screen and mom's car parked in the car park had a little bit of black on it from a shingle. The house completely untouched. A complete dome over it. People would drive by that street and wondered what the heck happened because that house was perfect. He answered prayer. My mother-in-law suffered very little damage. My house, you could tell that the roof was breathing. We lost our vinyl windows. We lost nine fruit trees. But we were able to maintain and stay in our home and rebuild. Our church down there became the hub putting out over 40-some thousand meals a day, I think, something like that. It was incredible, crazy. But that's the picture I saw. But now what is the picture that Noah and his family saw? God destroyed it all. They're looking at a different world, folks. They're looking at something that we can't imagine because when they went in the ark, the world looked one way. It was more flat. 
the waters were done different because everything imploded and all the waters from under the earth came up and it pushed up mountains. Can you comprehend that? It pushed up the mountains that they landed on in Ararat of over 17,000 feet in height. So that, when God said in verse 2 there, the, the winds that he calls the wind, it's an invisible force. Folks, it's a time to worship because we have an invisible force that's in battle for us. That invisible force started pushing all that water down the mountain slopes that were now created and into the gullies that were created and, 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 and formed the massive oceans that we have. And when you look at our land masses today, they were totally different when they entered the ark. They're walking out and they're seeing something that is all new. But there is something else that they're seeing. They're seeing death and decay. Because there's no doubt that there would be floating corpses. There would be floating animals. There would be all kinds of dis just utter decay and devastation of the wrath of God. Because he brought justice to the world. Noah in chapter 6 of Genesis, was told that he found grace in the eyes of God. Folks, do you find grace in the eyes of God? That's the ultimate. Do you find grace in the eyes of God? A time to worship. Verse 20 says, Then Noah built an altar to the Lord and took of every clean animal and every clean bird and offered a burnt offering to the altar. And the Lord smelled a soothing aroma. And the Lord said in his heart, I will never again curse the ground for man's sake. Although the imagination of a man's heart is evil from his youth, nor will I destroy every living thing that I have done. A time to worship. After Hurricane Charlie, we worshiped. We thank God for his protection for his safety. I can only imagine the time of worship that Noah and his family had as they stepped out and they saw all the devastation. Yes, there was newness, but you gotta remember there wouldn't have been the lush green because it hadn't had time to form that yet. It would have been utter chaos. It seemed like forever when we were going through Hurricane Charlie in the aftermath and the piles and the piles of trash along the roads until they got it cleaned up, and then they started to rebuild. I can only imagine what their eyes beheld when they stepped out of that ark. The provision as God delivered them to the newness to start afresh. Deliverance. God's covenant with creation. Verse 22. While the earth remains, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, winter and summer, and day and night, shall not cease. It shall not cease. We have a new covenant that's given to us in the New Testament. The new covenant I give you is the blood of Christ. Your deliverance is in Christ. 
without Christ, you, you face death and destruction and total separation from a holy, mighty God. But we have a merciful God. We have a powerful God. We have one that's got the whole world in his hands. And the seasons of times are going to continue until he tells his son to go get his church. I want to read another quick passage for you. In the book of Peter, Second Peter, in the third chapter, and I'm going to start in the third verse. Knowing this first, that scoffers will come in the last days, walking according to their own lust, and saying, where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. For this they willful forget, that by the word of God the heavens were of old, and the earth standing out of what? Water and in water, by which the world that then existed perished, being flooded with water. The scoffers. Noah had the scoffers. They thought he was nuts for building an ark. And God wiped him away. New Covenant Community Church. I find it fitting that there's a new covenant. And we're called New Covenant Community Church. And I think it's a special name. It has no denominational title to it. But we are a new covenant. And God's doing a mighty work here in this cornfield. And it's special. But the scoffers are real. They don't like what's happening here. They don't want like what's happening in our school systems. And they don't like what's happening in truth. And I'm here to tell you that we're going to boldly proclaim the truth. And when the world tells you that this all took place millions of years ago, I'm here to tell you it was 4,500 years ago. And 1,656 years before that is when God told Noah to get into the ark. And we've experienced 4,500 years since. 4,500 years of the new covenant that God said, which the earth, while the earth remains, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, winter and summer, and day and night shall not cease. I'm here to tell you that global warming, you don't have to worry about it because God has said that he's not going to stop these things from happening because the word of God is true. It's alive and true, and his word says it right here. It's not going to stop. It's not going to stop. Until the day he tells his son to come and get his church. Are you ready? Are you ready for the deliverance? Are you ready to stand against the scoffers of the day? Because I hope that you are. The invitation is going to be simple. Knowing God's timing is always perfect. The storms of life, I don't know where you're at with your storm. But he's the ultimate deliverer. And his timing is always perfect. It's a time of worship. And there's a time that God gives us a new covenant. And that's in his son. Today may be the day of salvation for you. You may have questions about being a true, authentic Christ follower. Worshippers, if you want to come at this time and prepare to lead us, you may do so.
But I want us to take a moment and examine our life a little bit. And like I said, I have no clue as to where you're at, what God's bringing you through. But I know this, his timing is perfect. Just as his timing was perfect in my mother's life and in her death, he's perfect in the timing of your life and then when your death arrives. Whatever your struggle is right now, he's got it. He's got your protection. And he's got an ultimate purpose. Because he's doing the work in and through. Let him lead. Let him be the God. And listen and obey his voice when the timing's right. Noah didn't respond until God said, go. Jesus told us to go. The timing is right. We have the new covenant in Christ. The world is decaying around us. Yes, it is. It doesn't take a rocket scientist to see how bad the world is decaying at a fast and alarming rate. But the church, and this church in particular, can be the light into a community that's growing at an alarming rate. We have the love. We have the gospel that we can take to those around us. I pray that you'll be that gospel this week. But for the unbeliever, the one that truly doesn't know in their heart that they've been bought, born again with Jesus Christ, today's the day of deliverance. Don't wait. Make this day the day that you surrender to the free gift of eternity. That Jesus Christ came, born of a virgin, died on the cross. Our cross is gone. I started to point to the cross. Our cross is in the storage room. But the cross, he paid it all on that cross for you and for me. Just as the ark was a a means of salvation, Jesus is a means of salvation. He says, come to me, all you who are weary, and I will give you rest. But go and proclaim the gospel. Do you do what you've been told to do? Today's the day. Would you all stand as we sing? Love lifted me.